What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. All right, guys, welcome in here on Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Thanks for tuning in, listening in. This episode is going to be about how here at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, I am Team Tyler. That's Tyler Boyd and Tyler Higby. I'm drafting them both. Give me the combo pack. Much like I had that specific episode or podcast just on Tyrod Taylor and gave you guys about half an hour of just very thorough content on him. I'm going to try to give you about half an hour here with Boyd and Higby. So I'm going to be a little bit quicker, but I still want to be extremely thorough for you guys. I'm going to basically tell you why I think you should have Tyler Boyd and Tyler Higby on all of your uh, teams. Well, especially Tyler Boyd on all your teams. And make sure you sprinkle in some Higby here or there because I think they're both being massively undervalued. Boyd at a much higher degree, but still both of them. So, like I said, get your share of both. I have a Tyler Boyd article right now on the website, and I'm probably going to reference it a couple times. There's a lot of stuff in that article that I'm not going to go over here on this podcast because I'm going to try to keep it somewhat short for you guys. But, you know, the article's always there. It's always going to be there, and most of that information, pretty much all of it, except for, like, my personal ranking at the end, is stuff that's going to be relevant the entire time, no matter when you read it. So if you go back and read that article a month from now, if that's when your drafts are, and you know you want to see if Boyd is somebody you want to take a look at, all of that stuff in the article is still going to be extremely relevant. And, you know, it's just there for you guys. So don't forget that we have the articles on the website, and we're going to be talking about Tyler Boyd and Tyler Higby. And so we're going to start with my boy, Tyler Boyd. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you know I am huge on Boyd. I have gotten into many, many live and active discussions with people who disagree with me. And I even, I I just am so high on him to the point where I put him in my bio. And, you know, outside of telling everyone, you know, I'm a podcast, whatever, in my bio at the end, I say, oh, and draft Tyler Boyd. So that's somebody I'm so high on and I have no idea why everyone is so low on him. So we're going to look at a couple things real quick. Right now, his ADP is wide receiver 35 off the board. Not overall the 35th pick, the 35th wide receiver. He is going in the eighth round currently. That is insane value and I am reaching well past the eighth round in every single draft to make sure I get Tyler Boyd. He's going around guys like Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, we have no idea when he's going to be back. He's dealing with injury. And honestly, his upside is not any bigger than Tyler Boyd's, especially considering he's in a run-heavy offense. Then another guy he's going around, Julian Edelman. Cam Newton, honestly, I redid my projections because I had it with Stidham, and then once Cam Newton came in, Edelman slid down for me because they're not going to throw the ball, the Patriots, as much with Cam as they were with Jarrett Stidham. Edelman has been moving down my boards, unfortunately, he's still a guy I like to grab because he should give you some good, like a good safety net week to week. But Edelman is nowhere near what he's what he has been the past few years, in my opinion. I think he's going to be definitely worse this year. Then you have Deontay Johnson. That's another one he's going around. He's got huge potential, sure, but it's 
not any better than Tyler Boyd's potential, and Deontay Johnson's floor is immense because we don't know how he's going to do, what how they're going to use him. We don't know so many things coming to the season with Big Ben. Is Big Ben even good anymore? Then Will Fuller can never stay healthy. Darius Slayton, so many guys around him. I'm just naming guys that Tyler Boyd is basically bunched in right now uh, in ADP. Darius Slayton has Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard. Like, he is so far away from getting the targets he needs to get anywhere near Boyd. Marquise Brown, I kind of understand people like the explosiveness. And then AJ Green, who we has played nine games in the last 32 games. In the last two seasons, he's played nine. So they're just, all the people going around him, I think, are so far and away worse than Tyler Boyd. And honestly, as and we'll get to this, Tyler Boyd is in my top 12. And so I'm going to elaborate that for sure. We're going to start with history. Because before I go into everything that is going to happen for Boyd this year, I want to paint the picture of what has happened for him. So it kind of, you know, paves the way. Since being a starter, he has finished as wide receiver 17 and wide receiver 18 in PPR formats. And that's not by points per game. That's total points. Last year, he was wide receiver 18, but he missed two games. Now he's the wide receiver 35? 17 and 18 as a starter, and now he's the wide receiver 35, and he's getting upgrades all over the place. He finished 17 and 18 despite playing with a pretty bad Andy Dalton. I'm not talking about Andy Dalton as a quarterback as a whole. I'm talking about the Andy Dalton that Tyler Boyd has been catching passes from, which is just the past two years, three years, and that Andy Dalton is nowhere near peak Andy Dalton. And not only that, but he's also been catching passes from backup quarterbacks when Andy Dalton was out. And he has not had great surrounding talent. A.J. Green, like I said, has only played nine of the last 32 games. And they've had a poor O-line and not very many explosive receivers around Tyler Boyd outside of A.J. And A.J.'s barely on the field. So he's been in a horrible situation. Every single one of those things has improved, and we will get to that later when I talk about what's changing and what he has for this year. But to continue with history, with A.J. Green on the field and Tyler Boyd as a starter, so over the last two years with A.J. Green on the field, remember it's nine games, Tyler Boyd averaged 17.4 points per game, which was also more than A.J. Green. He was in the 16s, and that's clear top 10 wide receiver numbers. 17.4 points per game is top five numbers. And actually, as explained thoroughly in the article, I told you I was going to reference it a couple times, Tyler Boyd's pace with A.J. Green on the field in 2018 would have made him the wide receiver two last year after Michael Thomas. Not a wide receiver two, the wide receiver two. Tyler Boyd was extremely efficient when A.J. Green was healthy because he was not the number one focus of the offense or of the defense. He had a 13% higher catch rate and almost two full yards per reception more than when he didn't have AJ. So with AJ on the field, he's way more efficient with his catch rate and his yards per reception. Now AJ's back. And even if you don't believe in AJ, now they have T. Higgins, who I liken to Brandon Marshall. And even if he doesn't get there quickly, I think the combination of him and AJ is going to be just as good. He's had a 23% target share with AJ Green on the field and without him, a 24.5% target share. So that's the past. Basically, my main takeaways from the past, he's shown us an immense ceiling. He would have been the wide receiver two last year. 
and I just chose last year because it's most recent memory. Wide receiver two last year, if you took his sample size when A.J. Green is on the field. Okay, so he showed us his ceiling. He also has a, a great floor because he's never finished outside the wide receiver 20, and he's ADP wide receiver 35. Ridiculous. Okay, so now let's talk about now. Those are the main takeaways from the past. A.J. Green is back. T. Higgins has been added, and both of them are outside receivers, leaving Tyler Boyd still as the only true slot. That's something that's important. When I was talking about Darius Slayton, you have all of these people around him, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley. All those people are target competition for Slayton, especially Tate Shepard. They can go in the slot and outside. And Evan Ingram, you know, he's a target hog. So Saquon Barkley can be as well. He was his rookie year. So it's not the same for Boyd at all because Boyd mans the slot. And who is the slot receivers or slot competition for the Bengals? They don't have any tight ends that are going to hurt him. And they don't have any slot receivers. The next best slot receiver on that team outside Tyler Boyd is probably John Ross, who they like to use on the outside and open up the defense as a deep threat or get some screens going a little bit. But John Ross is by no means, and not even to mention his lack of durability in terms of being able to stay on the field and stay healthy, but John Ross is not a slot guy. Tyler Boyd is the slot, the only one there. So no matter how many receivers you add, unless it's a slot receiver, Tyler Boyd's target share is likely going to be untouched, maybe impacted a little bit because they might spread the ball around a tiny bit, but the slot is his, and anything going to the slot is going to be going to Tyler Boyd. So he is basically unaffected in terms of target share by the addition of these receivers, but it's going to help his efficiency, just like when he had A.J. Green on the field earlier. So, like I said, efficient and target share remains the same. That's what we got so far. Now, you add in Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow loved targeting his slot receiver, who was Justin Jefferson. I'm sure most of you guys already know that, but just in case. Justin Jefferson also caught 18 touchdowns last year from Joe Burrow, and not only does Joe Burrow love the slot receiver, but head coach Zach Taylor, who's calling the plays for the Bengals, was with the Rams. Last year, remember, it was his rookie season being a head coach. And the year before that, he was with the Rams, and they love targeting the slot. Think about Cooper Cup. So he's got a quarterback that loves the slot and a head coach who, if he tries to emulate the Rams in any way, shape, or form, which I think he can very much do so this year with the cast that he has now compared to what he was working with last year. If he wants to emulate the Rams at all, that's even better for Tyler Boyd because Cooper Cup was the best receiver two years ago with the Rams in the slot. So those are some things so far that we have. We also have the O-line improving. Jonah Williams, their first-round pick, did not get to play one snap in the regular season. Guess what? He's back. So their offensive line is going to get better. Trust me, it can't get worse. It's going to get better. And then lastly, like I was talking about Zach Taylor being a rookie head coach last year, he's coming into his second year now. So the offense may be smoother overall, even if they had the exact same team as last year. Like take out Joe Burrow, take out A.J. Green being healthy, T. Higgins, like take out all the new additions from this year. Even if they were the exact same last year, I would project their offense to be a little bit better with Zach Taylor having something under his belt, some experience under his belt. So you have him coming into his second year just very similarly to Cliff Kingsbury, and now new weapons. So you're definitely going to see a better, more efficient offense. Now let's talk about Burrow versus Dalton. Some people are so worried, and one of the main things that people say to me when they see my Tyler Boyd hype, it's, yo, Joe Burrow is a rookie, man. Like, what are you doing? Joe Burrow is not going to support 
a top 20 wide receiver or a top 12 wide receiver because most people know I have him ranked inside my top 12. And my answer to that is first, let's look at Burrow versus Dalton because that's what Boyd has worked with. So it's only fair to compare them. We aren't arguing, and this is important, we aren't arguing Andy Dalton as a whole versus Joe Burrow, but rather we are arguing 2018 and 2019 Andy Dalton versus Joe Burrow. And Burrow is an immediate, immediate upgrade. Andy Dalton last year averaged career lows in completion percentage, 59. Touchdown rate, 3%. And that's, it's his worst if you remove his rookie year. So since his rookie year, that was his worst by far. Burrow will be better than that. 59%, that's very achievable. All the last number one overall picks in recent years, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, they've been significantly better than 59% completion and a 3% touchdown rate. So, And Joe Burrow might be the best of the best in terms of first overall picks uh, coming in and being good right away as a passer. Maybe he, he doesn't have the running profile as Kyler Murray, but as a passer, he might have the best outlook coming into the draft over the last three years in terms of quarterbacks so I believe in Burrow and I'm sure most people do we just saw the most historic college season we've ever seen from a quarterback and breaking so many records and winning the Heisman and everything so Joe Burrow's an immediate upgrade so I'm not worried about that at all and lastly and this is the biggest thing and this is part of the reason I'm so high on Joe Burrow as well pass attempts Boyd is going to get mad targets because the Bengals are going to be among the league leaders in pass attempts. They passed 616 times last year. They're probably going to be somewhere close to that this year. They also have better offensive weapons like we talked about. It's going to help the offense stay on the field and be more efficient. Plus, the defense somehow did not really make that many additions. Their defense did not get much better, so they're still going to be behind all the time and playing catch-up, throwing the ball. Tyler Boyd has shown huge upside being used similarly in 2018 and this is something that I think is interesting I want you guys to think about Tyler Boyd was used similarly in 2018 when AJ Green was on the field as Godwin Chris Godwin was last year with Mike Evans on the field and you saw similar fantasy results because last year Evans Godwin both great in fantasy Evans has always been the number one now people are like oh my goodness is Godwin the number one uh we don't know and Godwin is in the slot and Evans is on the outside well guess what in 2018 AJ Green was great on the outside Tyler Boyd was great in the slot and we were seeing a shift Tyler Boyd was averaging more points per game we were seeing a shift of who's that number one well this year Tyler Boyd is going to become the number one at least in terms of fantasy points he's going to get more targets especially with T Higgins infringing on AJ Green's um target share a little bit So Tyler Boyd, he's very much in that Chris Godwin, like possible breakout for this year. I see it. I see it happening. It's very much within the realm of possibility. And remember everything that I'm saying, remember it comes with the asterisk of the fact that he is ADP wide receiver 35. It costs you nothing. Like that's why I'm saying between Boyd and Higby, I like them both, but Boyd he should be on every one of your teams because there's no way he doesn't outperform ADP. Especially if you're like me and you like going RB heavy in the beginning, Boyd is an amazing wide receiver too that you're probably going to get as a wide receiver three. And honestly, if you like go RB heavy and grab a quarterback early or a tight end early and like you wait on receiver, he could be a wide receiver one and give you a safe floor every week for sure. So just keep that in mind. 
Boyd has a huge floor because of the high volume pass attempt pass attempts and possibly being the main option or close to it. There's no way he finishes outside the top 24 wide receivers. I'm saying it because I want to drill that into you guys' heads. There's no way unless he gets injured or Burrow gets injured. He never has finished that bad as a starter. And that's already, if you just take where he's being drafted now to his worst finish, which was wide receiver 18 right now, he's 35. So that's a 17-spot difference in ADP at the wide receiver position. And that's not even where I have him ranked. I have him ranked even higher than that. I have him projected, here it is, as my wide receiver eight this year with 142 targets, 98 receptions, 1,244 yards, and seven touchdowns. And I tell you this, seven touchdowns, not a hefty projection. I The only thing that's hefty in my projection, I think, that you could argue with me is the efficiency. But even if you knock down the efficiency a little bit, and you you know you think he's going to be because I have him around 71 72% completion uh or catch rate sorry and remember he was at like 77 when AJ Green was on the field I have him at 72ish if you want to knock that down to like 68 67 it's not going to be worse than that I doubt it's going to be worse than that if you knock it down to that it's going to put him at like wide receiver 13 or 14 like this guy is going to be so much better than where he's being drafted so I just want you guys to keep that in mind And so now, with that said, we can go ahead and move on to Tyler number two. The old breakout, Tyler Higby. He is ADP right now, tight end nine, going at the back of the seventh. He's going around guys like Hayden Hurst, Evan Ingram, Jared Cook, and Hunter Henry. So let's talk about those guys real quick. Hayden Hurst, he's in a new offense, and he, guess what, has no established history of being good in fantasy football, or in football in general. Yes, he's a high pick, we expect him to be good, but we haven't seen it yet. So, questions. Two big ones right there. Evan Ingram, he can't ever stay healthy. He's never been surrounded by as much target competition as he has now between Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, and none of those guys were all on the field at the same time last year. And you have Daniel Jones distributing the ball. That's a lot of questions for me. Evan Ingram is somebody that needs a lot of targets. He's a, a possession type of tight end, and I don't think he's going to get the targets he needs to be what people are hoping that are drafting him. Hunter Henry, he's got new quarterbacks, whether it be Tyra Taylor or Justin Herbert. Both of them are new, and he also might be in a super run-heavy offense if Tyra Taylor ends up manning the quarterback position all year, which, by the way, side note, with... The NFLPA voting against preseason and motioning to have zero preseason games. If that goes through, whoo boy, my Tyrod Taylor take is looking good. But with that aside, um, Hunter Henry, he has, sorry, he has new quarterbacks. Uh, might be in a run-heavy offense with Tyrod Taylor, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly. And he also has, of course, his health concerns. So that's a lot of questions. Then you got Jared Cook. He was touchdown reliant. He wasn't a heavy, heavily targeted guy in the Saints offense. And now he has Emmanuel Sanders in the picture. Every single person around Higby has concerns. And I'm not going to say Higby doesn't have his own. But everyone around him, I think, has more. And that's the game we play with tight end. If we don't get one of the reliable four, and by those four, I mean obviously Kelsey and Kittle, and then Mark Andrews and Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, I think, is going to do worse than his past few years because there's so much new mouths to feed in the offense. 
and Dallas Goddard's going to get worked in a tiny bit more possibly. So I think Ertz is not going to be the same guy, but I still think he's going to be very reliable as a tight end. But that's the game we play. If you don't get one of those four, you're going to get somebody with a lot of question marks and you're just hoping for the upside. Upside. And that's what I propose to you is if you're going to play that game, play it with Tyler Higby. Cuz here's Higby's really his his only real concern. Do they use him in a similar role to last year's breakout? That's the question. And that's the question I'm going to try to to hit. I'm going to try and give you guys the answer to that, or at least my take on it. So I'm going to convince you why the data and the evidence I found suggests the answer that he will be used similar to the role as last year's breakout is yes. All right. So last year's breakout, let's talk about it. It stretches from weeks 12 to 17. It's a six-game stretch. Here's some important context. And look, I'm super high on Tyler Higby, but I'm going to be straight with you guys. I give you the good. I give you the bad. I'm not going to just try and make my side look juicy because, you know, some some arguments you can paint with stats one way or the other, depending on how you view it. So I'm going to give you guys both sides just so you know I'm not just trying to fluff up my side of the argument. So here's some important context on that stretch, that six-game stretch when he was amazing. Some bad things, he played Arizona twice in terms of some bad things for us projecting the same type of role for him. He played Arizona twice, which gave up the most points to tight ends in fantasy last year. So that could have been part of the reason why he was so good. And he played Seattle, which was another team that gave up a good amount of points to tight ends. Another thing, Jared Everett was hurt. So possibly that's the reason why he was so good or the combination of both. But here are some things that point to hey, maybe this is something that's going to continue. He was very effective in those games. Plus, Jared Goff's efficiency improved once they made that like philosophy switch and they started using Higby more and using the tight ends more and using the 12 personnel more often. Goff's efficiency in those six games compared to the rest of the season, he saw a 4% increase in his completion rate, almost a 1% increase in touchdown rate, and a small decrease in interception rate. So he got better all across the board. And another pro is that this interfered directly with Cooper Cup's production, yet he was not slowed down. He was still, Tyler Higby was still good further and further into this stretch, even though Cooper Cup was suffering from it. And the reason I say that that's a pro is if somebody that's probably one of their best players on that team is not producing nearly what he was doing before and you continue that trend, that means you like what you're doing. So if they were, if Cooper Cup's numbers were suffering because of Tyler Higby and they didn't want that to happen, they would just switch back. They would just be like, you know what? Cooper Cup's our guy. We got to feed Cooper Cup. He's the man. Well, they didn't because what they were doing was working. So they were okay with letting Tyler Higby kind of just take over. Here was his pace. So that was the important context. Now, here was his pace. In those six games, he was on pace for 165 targets. That would have led the league for tight ends. 128 receptions would have led the league for tight ends. 1,445 yards and five touchdowns. That would have totaled 302 fantasy points in PPR leagues. He would have been the tight end one if that was the pace for 16 games. He would have been the tight end one and it wouldn't have been close. Tyler, sorry, not um, Tyler. Travis Kelsey had 254 points. Tyler Higby was on pace for 302. And then Kittle, he missed a couple games, but he only had 222. So he would have been 
nowhere close to 302. Obviously, I'm not calling for this. I am not by any means saying this is what Tyler Higby's going to do, but it's important to recognize that it is in the realm of possibility. It's an upside, a ceiling that exists. And it's a ceiling that's honestly higher than anybody else's except for, uh, in terms of the guys going around him, except for maybe Evan Ingram. But like I said, there's so much target competition, it's hard for me to see that happening without some injuries. And then him obviously having to stay healthy. He also had a 24.5% target share during that stretch. So remember the context from earlier. Everett was out, so Everett coming back will hurt Higby a little bit. Plus, there were some easy matchups. So, you know, with average matchups, you know, your hard ones, your easy ones, your average ones, overall average, the the points per game is also probably going to come down a little bit. Everything's going to come, efficiency is going to come down a little bit. But the streak that happened may have established him, and this is what I believe, as the go-to guy in the future for this offense. Not any more than like Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, just as a go-to guy. I don't know if I said the or a, I mean a. He he has established himself as a go-to guy in the future for this offense. So now let's face the Everett truthers. There are so many people that say, man, if Everett was healthy, it never would happened. Okay, that's very much true, but it did happen. And there's a difference. It's not that it didn't happen. So, you know, it's not going to happen in the future whenever it comes back. No, it did happen. And they saw how good Higby was. And now that they see how good Higby was, they're probably just going to keep him there. So here's my thing against the Everett truthers. Because a lot of people think he's going to return to his minuscule role since Everett's not hurt anymore. I disagree immensely because Higby showed to be way, way better than Jared Everett. Tyler Higby had a 77.4% catch rate. Jared Everett had a 61% catch rate. That's a massive gap, almost 17%. Massive. Higby also, despite having a huge catch rate, had a minor yards per reception advantage over Gerald Everett, which is super crazy because usually people, especially tight ends with super high catch rates, have super low yards per reception and guys with lower catch rates have super high yards per reception because they're just going down the field more like oj howard he's one of the most explosive per catch tight ends his catch rate's not high zach Ertz is one of the people with the most the highest catch rates among tight ends guess what his yards per reception is low but that didn't exist with higby higby was i mean he didn't have like uh, gronk or kittle or kelsey type of efficiency in terms of yards per reception, but he was better than Everett despite having a 77.4 catch rate to 61. That's crazy to me. Tyler Higby is also more versatile than Gerald Everett. So I could actually see a George Kittle type role, except obviously, like I said, he's not as explosive after the catch or in terms of per reception numbers as Kittle. So I'm not saying he would be Kittle. I'm just saying I could see them use him in a similar type of way. And he is a less uh, red zone threat in terms of comparing him to Kittle, but I'm just saying that Tyler Higby is so good, he can be used very similarly to George Kittle, kind of like a a George Kittle light, you could say. So that's facing the Everett truthers. Honestly, he just showed himself to be way, way better than Everett. I don't see how they go back to Everett as their guy. And I don't think Everett's going to be like a 60-40 split with Higby. I think it's going to be a clear, clear uh, favoritism towards Higby. So now let's face the people who are worried about the scheme switch. The scheme switch skeptics. That's what I like to call them. Because during that stretch that we were talking about, the Rams utilized the 12 
personnel offense more often. And just for the people that don't really know the numbers, 12 personnel, basically the first number in anything when they're referring to an offense, the first number is the amount of running backs on the field. And the second number is tight ends. And then the num like that total number. So like 12 personnel is a one and a two. So that's three. You subtract that from five to figure out how many receivers are on the field. So in a 12 personnel, you have one running back, two tight ends, and then two receivers. And in 11 personnel, it's one running back, one tight end, three receivers. You get it? So that's the 12 personnel offense. Um, a lot of people are worried about them not doing that as much. They're the scheme switch skeptics. They don't think it's going to continue. I expect the trend to continue. Here's why. First off, they lost wide receiver Brandon Cooks. So a good offensive role has opened up. 72 targets left on the board and Brandon Cooks only played 14 games, so it would have, I think it was 14, so it would have been a little bit more than 72 targets. They also, this is important, drafted tight end Bryson Hopkins with a fourth round pick. You're saying fourth round pick? That doesn't mean anything. Well, it does if you're the Rams, who haven't had a first round pick, it seems like, in forever, and they don't have a first round pick next year either, and their first pick this year was a second rounder. They use it on a running back to replace Gurley, and then they use a fourth for Bryson Hopkins. So... And they have like holes in other areas that they could definitely fill that would be better than their third position on the death chart, tight end. And especially for the people that are saying, oh, they're not going to use 12 personnel. They're going to probably go back to three receivers, one running back, one tight end. Okay, well, if that's the case, why did they use that pick on a tight end who's going to be third on the depth chart? Their third tight end wouldn't be that important. But clearly it's important to them. So I think that they're probably using two tight ends more often than what we've seen before that stretch last year and in the past. So that's another thing, the drafting of Bryson Hopkins. This all indicates to me losing Brandon Cooks, drafting Bryson Hopkins, and just the fact that Higby was so good and Goff's efficiency went up when they were using Higby. All of this hints and points that tight end is going to be important and they're probably going to use 12 personnel more. And also, here's one other thing. Cooper Cup, he suffered, a t his his target share suffered from Higby. So it makes people think, you know, Cup is going to take back over and Higby is going to reduce to nothing. Well, not nothing, but a lot less than what I'm projecting and what other people that are just taking him, even as the tight end, because we'll get to where I have him at, but even where he's at right now in ADP, which is tight end nine, some people think that's still too high because of Cooper Cup suffering and them going back to Cooper Cup. Well, losing Brandon Cooks, is going to give Cooper Cup more opportunities. And let's talk about Cooper Cup specifically. So he saw a massive five target per game hit when Tyler Higby got involved. And I mean, they patrolled similar areas of the field, so it makes sense. So is Cooper Cup going to be bad now? Is that what I'm projecting? No, I don't expect Cooper Cup, who's a very good receiver on a team with a decent offense, to be bad. I think McVeigh is going to find a way to get both of these guys, Higby and Cup, involved heavily. I have Tyler Higby projected here it is at 134 targets and decreased efficiency by five percent and he's my tight end three so you know originally I was very much like you know Tyler Higby Cooper Cup you can't like them both until I finish my projections for the Rams I mean it's true in a sense you can't like them both at their ADP you're gonna have to fade one at their ADP you're gonna have to pick which one you believe in but I still believe in Cooper Cup as a good receiver. He's inside my top 24 receivers, along with Woods, who I'm higher on. And he was much better in that stretch, by the way, as a side note. And Tyler Higby, I'm just way higher on. So Cup, I'm a little lower, but he's still going to be pretty good. 
I don't think that they are basically mutually exclusive. I think that they can coexist, Tyler Higby and Cooper Cup. And so let's get back to Tyler Higby's projection. Like I said, 134 targets. I just decreased his efficiency in that stretch last year, and he's my tight end three. Am I drafting him as my tight end three? No, of course not. I would take Andrews and Ertz. Actually, I don't know about Ertz, but I'll take Andrews in front of him because Andrews is much safer because there's still always the possibility that Tyler Higby, you know what, for whatever reason, everything that I pointed to just goes wrong and he's not great. But that can happen with any of the guys outside of the four safe ones with Ertz and whatnot. The reason I say I might take him over Ertz, even if you made me pick him at the same spot, like taking out ADP value completely, is because I think Higby has a much better ceiling. I don't think Ertz has that ceiling anymore that he once had because he's not like he's not an explosive guy. He's not great on t- in the touchdown department. He's not breaking mad tackles. He doesn't have the chance to break off runs, take him to the house. Like he's very just Jason Witten-esque, if you would let me say. Um, and it's just high volume targets that's made him so good and a good catch rate, but he doesn't do much with all the targets. So, except for move the chains. I mean, he's great for the offense. I'm just speaking in terms of, like, fantasy points per target. Uh, Zach Ertz isn't the best. But that's basically what I have for Tyler Higbee, Cooper Cup. Here's my verdict on Tyler Higbee as a whole. He's being grouped in with a bunch of guys that have showed us a ceiling nowhere near as high. Have we seen Hunter Henry? Okay, actually, Hunter Henry showed us a good ceiling, but it wasn't tight in one ceiling like what Tyler Higby showed us. So Tyler Higby still has the ceiling edge over Hunter Henry. Then Jared Cook, we haven't seen a ceiling that high. We've seen some decent ceiling, but not that high. Then um, Hayden Hurst, we haven't seen anything at all. Evan Ingram, we haven't seen a ceiling like that. We've seen good like top five tight end numbers, maybe tight end three numbers, but that's about it. So not only does he have a higher ceiling, but he has less concerns. The only thing that you have to worry about is, are they going to use him the same way? He doesn't really have health concerns. He doesn't have target distribution concerns. I mean, they lost Cook, so now it's Woods, Cup, and Higby. Like, those are their guys. Those are their three targets. And they're going to throw the ball a lot like they always have. So with McVeigh and Goff. So there's going to be plenty of targets to go around the three guys. So I'm not worried about that either. So it's really just... How how good is he going to be? He's still going to be good for fantasy purposes, even if my projection is wrong. And he's also a very well-priced tight end. I mean, he's right there with everyone else. I'm drafting him personally. I'm drafting him in the seventh in almost every draft so far. And he's one of my most common picks. I In redrafts, I have Tyler Boyd on every single team. And I probably have Tyler Higby on like half of them. So between Tyler Higby and Tyler Boyd, it's really hard not to get tongue-tied going back and forth with all these Tylers. Um, between them both, they're people that I really, really want on my team. And if you're not going to go tight end early and you're taking a shot on tight end, why not take your shot on the guy who paced as the tight end one last year when he finally saw his starting opportunity? And that's the last thing I wanted to touch on is he finally saw his opportunity. And we know tight ends take a little bit to break out. Sometimes that's not the case, but most of the time it is. And he got his opportunity, finally. The guy in front of him got hurt. He got on the field, and he did great. Why would all of a sudden he just get pushed down the depth chart? It doesn't make any sense. Tyler Higby is a good value, but not as good of a value as Tyler Boyd. And that's what we got for you today. Hope you guys have a good one. Thanks for listening to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. I tried to keep it quick for you guys in a quick car ride, but also be super thorough. Remember to leave a rating and review if you enjoyed the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.
Bye.